0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of U-Press Play Sports. I'm your host and news editor, Richard Pereira. Joining me today is sports editor Cameron Priester and staff writer Zachary Watts. Hey, guys, how's it been going uh, heading into this week for Thanksgiving?
1: It's Going pretty well. Um, As far as FAU sports are concerned, um, you know, we've had our ups and downs across all sports. Obviously, we'll touch on those later. As for our more national sports, I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say. Obviously, a lot's been going on with the World Cup and in the NFL and NBA, as for the American sports. But yeah, a lot to talk about, a lot to dive into. So let's not waste any time.
2: Yeah, lots of stuff to talk about some good, some bad. Um, good stuff in the NFL, like you said, NBA, World Cup just started, so I'm ready to get into it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and we're gonna start off with the downs first, and and that down being F U football. Um, this past Saturday, they went on the road to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, to take on Middle Tennessee, the Blue Raiders, and fell apart, losing forty nine to twenty one in a game that they needed to win to clinch bowl eligibility. And now sitting with a record of five and six, with one last game that being. Their Saturday game at noon against the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Um, this is a game that they must win if they are to clinch bowl eligibility and to extend their season by one more game heading into December. So, guys, uh, what do you got? What are you guys expecting for FU's last game of the regular season?
1: Um, the expectations are still there. Um, obviously, the mindset is we need to win this game. Uh, clinch ball eligibility. That was kind of always the goal from the beginning of the year. Uh, this isn't the most preferable position to be in, but at the same time, you know, you're kind of, you kind of have to deal with the cards you're dealt with. As for the middle Tennessee game, you know, Cameron and kind of touched on it last week. We knew the caliber of offense they had considering how much points they had put up against the University of Miami. Um, we knew they'd be tough to stop defensively, but, um, you know, even if a team's that good on offense, you can't allow their first punt to come in the third quarter. I mean, I know we had some turnovers um, in the first half, but I mean, we were down 28 to seven going into half, I believe maybe 28, 14, something along those lines, but um, it's just so hard um, to come back. When you go down that early, Um, especially going into the locker room, you know, you make your adjustments, but it, it was just a hard game. The issue I have is uh, next week against Western Kentucky, you know, last game of the season is usually rivalry week. It's your biggest game of the year. Um, but Western Kentucky has been playing good all year. You know, they've already beaten middle Tennessee earlier in the year. They've proven they've had a good enough defense to shut it down. Um, but kind of what tagger alluded to uh, in the post game press conference, you know uh, from a coaching standpoint, it starts with them. They just have to kind of bear down this week, put the past behind them really not revamp anything. Just kind of really bear down, eliminate the penalties, eliminate the mental mistakes do everything you can to play your best football in all three phases of the game and try to come out with a win and clinch ball eligibility for our
2: fans uh, down here in Boca. Um, just as far as last Saturday to kind of get that out of the way, it, it was, you know, just really disappointing like that. Um, Did it, like, like you said, it's a high powered offense. We knew that going in, but after you give up uh, kind of three straight passing touchdowns, four and a half, you, you kind of would like them to see them make some sort of adjustment. And, you know, when the coaches kind of get, he, as you say, he did take his accountability, which you like to see. But when he's like, oh, we just didn't make adjustments. Well, you're the coach, man. Make those adjustments. Um, It's, it's kind of disappointing. But, you know, like you said, you put that behind us and we still do have that opportunity to um clinch bowl eligibility this week. But it just doesn't get any easier this week than it did last week. Western Kentucky's a good team. Um, western, like, yeah, western Kentucky's a good team. you know, they have an, it's another high powered offense um, against Rice, they put up forty five against Charlotte. They put up fifty nine. um and they're not bad on the defensive end either. Um, They've held Middle Tennessee, like you said, to just seventeen. It's pretty impressive against an offense like that. um. We just hope that they can just put the those bad vibes or whatever behind them from last week and just try to move on because like this isn't how we expected the season to go. But there is still something to play for in this bowl eligibility, and it'd be nice to see some of the um, upperclassmen and seniors go out with a a bowl game. So we we'd like to we hopefully like them to see improve this week, but it's just not going to get any easier against Western Kentucky than it was against Middle Tennessee.
0: Yeah, and as a look at the stats, uh, Nicosi Perry wasn't wasn't bad against Middle Tennessee. He threw for 325 yards on 19 to 36 passing, on 19 out of 36 passes. The issue was he, of how many times he was getting sacked by Middle Tennessee's defense. He got sacked four times, so uh, his offense, uh, Perry's offensive line has to do better in protecting him. And and for the defense, um, they allowed 448 passing yards and five touchdowns against Chase Cunningham who had a spectacular performance of 40 out of 54 passes completion. So you, you just got to do better in pressuring the opposing quarterback and getting some sacks on him because that is not going to cut it. And moving on from FU football, we'll move on to men's basketball. And Men's basketballers maintained their strong start to this season, having a three-game winning streak. Um, after that uh, incredible victory over Florida, they maintained it heading back home with back-to-back wins over Bryant in the Boca Raton Mega Bowl and another win against Detroit Mercy. Uh, both of those scores were 85-74 and 76-55, respectively. Um, uh, guys, uh, what do you think of FU's strong start to the season after five games in?
1: Um, I'll kind of just combine the two together. Um, just because the Detroit Mercy game, I had a good feeling uh, we would pull out a win there. I wasn't too concerned with that. Bryant, you know, they had already made um the tournament last year, um or the invitational, whichever one it was. But you know, they were a strong team last year. Bryant had an offense which was averaging around 118 points per game. Um, heading into the night, they're really good offensively, but we. We've kind of showed what our strengths are and that's defense in terms of rebounding and our bench depth. Um, I'm pretty sure in the Bryant game, we outscored them with our bench 45 to nine, which is insane. Um, that just shows that from a depth perspective, whoever we put in is able to put up consistent points. Um, but I thought one of the main things that I wanted to see and what I really like to see was our defense. I mean, we really stepped up in that regard. We held them to 36, percent shooting from the floor 27 from three point um and we forced 21 turnovers in that regard that when you can play that consistently um on both sides of the ball that's all you really need on offense you know elijah martin's kind of stepped up as our like primary scorer but he's not really like our I, i i don't know if i'd consider him like a number one guy in terms of just like when we need a bucket or a basket like we're going to give him the ball like anyone can put up points for us and i like that we have a all-around team trust in one another any guy will put up anywhere between 10 to 15 points a night we don't really need anyone that's going to say oh i'll take over offensive responsibility um it's a very team played game right now and i like that for the most part um in terms of the mercy game i think we held them 18 to 55 from the floor three from 16 for three so another great defensive performance and then again bench points twenty seven to eleven that category. All around just great team basketball and we just need to build on that moving forward.
2: Yeah, I just wanna echo what he's saying about team basketball. Um, this team is so deep. They have so many um, you know, guys that you can trust on any given night to go out on the floor and give you like seven, eight points, ten points, something like that. And um you need that. Um, and also the fact that Coach Dusty May is not, um, you know, scared to make those adjustments, even if it's early on in the game. Um, he will, like, completely change the lineup on the floor. He likes kind of, like, keeping the hot hand on the floor. And that's good. Do um, You want to see that. And I've so, we have so many guards that um, can just, like, run the floor so well between Martin like you said he's kind of filling that number one scorer role but you also have Nick Boyd who's been playing in the starting lineups a couple of games to start um Isaiah Gaines, Jalen Gaffney, you have so so many guys that um you know you can just try to run the offense for you so that's good and that's what you want to
0: see early in this early on in the season like we have. Yeah, and I'm I'm really happy with how the offense has played so far this season. Like you can tell that they have that next man up mentality, especially when one of their main players is shooting cold from the field that they are stepping up to the plate and giving giving the team off the great offensive production, whether it be in in the starting lineup or off the bench. Like you have multiple players scoring 8 or more points every game, and that's very good for the offense to have, especially for Dusty May who is who might be having the best season of his FEU coaching career. So hopefully he can keep that up as this Saturday on November 26th at 1 PM, they'll be heading to Albany, New York to take on, of course, Albany. And yeah, it will be an interesting matchup on the road, um, especially in the Empire State. So we'll wish them the best of luck from there. And moving on from men's basketball, we have women's basketball. Um, after a disappointing 75-42 loss at Miami uh, this past well, last Wednesday, they did bounce back uh, this week on Monday uh, with a 61-35 blowout victory over Palm Beach Atlantic. While, while this is a team that they defeated last year in pretty much some more convincing fashion, um, what do you guys think of uh, FEU playing so far to begin the season after three games?
1: Um, I think the name of the game here is just adjustments, you know, in terms of that UM defeat, I think one of our biggest issues was we got outscored on fast breaks, 22 to two. And then from a turnover margin, um, we had 25 turnovers compared to their six. It's just really hard to win basketball games in that regard. Um, another issue was we got out rebounded by a lot and that led to 50 points in the key for Miami, which kind of like led to their victory. Um, But, you know, when you go from playing a higher caliber team, it kind of exposes where your weaknesses are. And then you need to build from there. I thought um, in comparison from what we did in the Palm Beach game, that's exactly what we made our fixes on. Um, You know, we were kind of a poor free throw team in that Miami game, but then we come around and make 13 straight free throws versus Palm Beach Atlantic. You know, this time around against Palm Beach, we out rebound 50 to 29. And then um, I think another issue that we still kind of have to address is the turnovers are a bit of an issue. We lost the turnover battle in both games, although we were able to pull out a win against Palm beach. Um, but you know, it, it's so early in the season, there's still small things that you can find and I can nitpick and see like where we need to adjust. But like I said, um, in comparison to our men's team, again, kind of that next man up mentality, um, just finding the next person in line to get your buckets. I think we had four players um, in double digits I believe yeah so um in that regard team basketball love to see it improve from your mistakes love to see it um everything's trending in the right direction um I know we have a pretty favorable schedule coming up I believe and this Thanksgiving classic so hopefully we can come out strong in that and really kind of set the tone for the rest of the
2: season yeah Palm Beach Atlantic isn't the um strongest opponent in the world but um it is good to see a win after kind of struggling a little bit against Miami. Um, I thought they were great. They were great at getting to the line early on in the first quarter. I wanna say they got uh, drew six or seven fouls um in the first quarter alone. So um like getting to the line early on, that was great. It's also see it's also great to see that like you said, they have um a bunch of people who are a bunch of players who can score. I think they had four last night against Palm Beach. Um, finish with double-digit point totals. That's great, like you said. The next man up. Um, there are some things you'd uh like them to see clean up just a little bit as they move forward. Like you said, the turnovers you want to see that cleaned up just a little bit. Um, you want to you preferably like to see them shoot the ball like a little bit more efficient. They were finished thirty-three percent from the field last night. Um, just fifteen percent from three-point range. Um, but you know that's that's something you can fix. Hopefully moving on. Um, they made so they made some adjustments after the Miami loss heading into Palm Beach. So you hoping hopefully like them to see, um, the same thing. Have them make some adjustments moving forward. But it's definitely, um, you feel good where you are right now. Three games in, I think.
0: Yeah, and I would agree to some extent. Like they did recover from their poor free throw shooting performance at Miami. They shot four for eleven that game. And they bounced back with a 22 out of 35 performance, 22 out of 25 performance at the stripe, so at the charity stripes. So they are definitely making adjustments and improving as the season goes on. But again, this would be uh, one of their easier matchups since it's Palm Beach Atlantic, a team that they did beat last year, and what was a four-year from them. So hopefully, they can uh, keep this type of performance up in the in the next upcoming games. As for the Thanksgiving classic, as was mentioned by Zach, uh, they take on Binghamton on Friday, November 25th at 4 p.m. And it it will actually be on a back-to-back. They'll be playing on back-to-back days. Uh, They take on Binghamton first on Friday, and then on Saturday, November 26th, also at 4 p.m., they take on Sacred Heart. So best of luck to the Owls, and hopefully they can give their fans something to celebrate for Thanksgiving weekend. And moving on from our section with FU Sports, we head on to national sports, and we're going to start off with the NFL. Um, We definitely had a little interesting scenario with Zach Wilson after uh, an astonishing victory from the Patriots by a game-winning punt return touchdown, Um, and he had some post-game comments that were quite interesting saying that he did not let the defense down despite his poor performance overall that included multiple punts throughout the game um, what do you guys think of Zach Wilson's performance and his post game comments
1: um, you know I think you have to mature in all facets of the game throughout your NFL career obviously this includes your um, post game interviews being your words a little better um, obviously you know I'm just trying to put words into his mouth, I guess. He doesn't want to be too put the to blame on anyone. But in this instance, you're kind of seen as a quarterback leader of the team. It'd probably be smart to take accountability in this regard, considering you average 2.7 inches in the second half. Um, and yes, that's an actual stat. They average 2.7 inches per play. Um, I'm pretty sure they didn't even cross their own like 30- 35 yard line in the second half until late in the fourth quarter. I don't even think they did it at all. To be honest with you, it was embarrassing. Um, even as a Patriots fan, that game was abysmal to watch. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that was just painful. I mean, it, I don't know what, I don't really have faith in either team making like playoff runs at this point. I I don't even know what I was watching. Like I, I get Makai cop went down. Um, the jets i know you're still a young team but at the same time you were six and three you're coming off a win against the bills like you gotta show me something it looked like bill belichick was just like literally knowing what was going to happen uh and then vice versa same thing for the patriots you know when when your own head coach thinks that the opposing linebackers know what plays happening it probably means you're not calling very effective plays um but yeah not not very good before, during, or after the game for the Jets, especially Zach Wilson. Hopefully he'll bounce back. Um, I can't let, you know, the name Zach be disgraced like this. It, it's just not good for the brand.
2: <laughs> um, as far as Zach Wilson, um, my take is that he's not good at the playing quarterback in the NFL. You know, in that very kind of childish comment post-game is not going to help his situ- situation out any better. Because I, even if, like, you truly believe you didn't let your defense down, I don't know how you can, like, sitting at a podium staring at a box score that says you went 9 for 22 and then be like, okay, I didn't let my defense down. Yes, you did. Sorry. Um, but I just – I think I'm kind of out on Zach Wilson. And I say that because his mechanics are so terrible – like he throws the ball like literally just his arm. He doesn't put any lower body into it at all. And like, yeah, there's a lot of quarterbacks when they come in the league, they have a problem like that. But usually at this point in your career, you like show signs that you can fix that. He hasn't in like one and a half he's he hasn't shown any ability to kind of fix that or any willingness, you know, kind of fix that. And so I, I don't I don't I don't know if he I I'm not gonna say that. I know he's not the guy in New York. Um. So yeah, that like you said, that was a really hard game to watch. I also thought, um, even though it was kind of blah, I thought the Cowboys game was interesting for a little bit to watch, just because how like they dominated that game just so much. And I think the most credit belongs to the Cowboys pass rush. It that is ferocious. The pass rush they have, led by um, led by Micah um. I think they definitely lead the league in sacks right now by sizable margin. Um, and they had plenty on Sunday. There were times where Kirk Cousins was, like, not even at the top of his drop yet, and he's getting hit by, like, multiple Cowboy defenders. So um, you can't win games like that. Um, so it, I, just, I thought they were, like, just got destroyed by that. Um, yeah, that was an interesting game to watch for sure. I was interested to what you guys thought about that.
0: You're on me, Zach. Thanks for that. Uh,
1: I'm gonna <laughs> on that a little bit. I think a lot of teams this week kind of got exposed um, for what they truly were. Um, you know, the Eagles beating the Jeff Saturdays or the Jeff Saturday um, head coach in the Colts. Excuse me, but you know, you only beat them by one point. That's interesting. Um, Giants, you're a seven and two team, and you get blown out by the. At the time, three and six Lions. That's interesting considering.
0: Remember, Dan Campbell is kept coaching that team. You know you're going to have something special.
1: Yeah, that is true. Um, Hard Knocks did not let me down. I will always have some false hope in whatever Hard Knocks team there is. It's just how it is. Um, you know, you buy into the hype. Another, again, like we said, um, Cowboys really exposed the Vikings. Um, but then again, it may just be because Kirk Cousins is the greatest 1 p.m. quarterback of all time. Um Wonderful. I, I swear, anytime he plays a 1 p.m. game, he is going off for 400 yards, like it's guaranteed. But anytime, any primetime slot, 4:25, not happening. I don't know what it is. I, I wish I knew. Um, it's very suspect. Wish I could give an yeah, wish I could a explanation, but you know, not my job. Other than that, though, um, across the league, just a really weird week. Uh, Chiefs getting bailed out by the refs um, is kind of annoying me again um <laughs> but you know their time will come their time will come i'm just i don't know i i guess i'm not willing to accept the patrick mahomes travis kelsey um reign on the league or dynasty takeover i'm not willing to accept and i will fight it till the day i die um but they are good and they're probably the top contender out of the afc and the rams did lose
0: again to the Saints, twenty-seven to twenty. Are, do you think they're done, even though they're defending their Super Bowl title? They've been
2: done. They've been done. <laughs> might I would say might be able to call it. That whole like all of the West right now is like kind of just odd to me. I I would really love to you know be in the Arizona Cardinals like building today after that loss because they're kind of in such like an odd spot as an organization. They just shelled out so much money to kyler and i mean we can't really talk about that loss him. he wasn't playing um but they also shelled out big money to um kingsbury not that long ago and it's just they're just in an odd spot right now so um and whenever you whenever you shell out money like that to you know one or two guys it's hard to build around them so they're in an interesting spot moving forward and i'm kind of interested to see how they play that um after a loss like that that
0: wasn't that's kind of a boring game to watch. <laughs> and of course the Broncos fell apart again. They have a three and seven record after a 22 16 loss against the Raiders. Um <laughs> there are plenty of teams that we thought would do good that end up being disappointing. And Russell Wilson and the Broncos.
2: Letting Russ Cook once again ends up in a house fire.
1: Um I think it's interesting to note that there was a statistic brought up to me that I really wanted to touch on. Um, Russell Wilson may not throw um, 17 touchdowns this year. And that's an important fact because he has 17 bathrooms in his house. Um so, no. Who knows? But um, he's not even going to have more touchdowns than toilets in his house. I've heard a lot of rumors ar- around him using audibles, but I have heard that that story was proven false by his own line. Um, but yeah, it, it's not looking good for them. Another team that probably ended up going to make some big switches at the end of the year is the Raiders. You know, you brought in Devontae Adams and Josh McDaniels and it looks like he's going to be back as the Patriots OC by the end of the year. Um, if he's not able to turn things around quick, because that is looking ugly down there.
0: Wow. It is definitely an interesting week of NFL football, especially with Zach Wilson's comments, both game and, uh... Definitely, some teams that continue to be disappointing. And uh, moving off from the NFL, we have the NBA. Um, the Lakers are finally starting to win some games, even though LeBron is out, uh, and they have Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is looking good as their six man coming off the bench to have three straight wins. Even though most of their wins were against the Detroit, two of those wins were against Detroit and San Antonio. They were they were convincing wins for the most part, and. Hopefully they can keep that up once LeBron comes back. And, but man, Philadelphia, the 76ers situation is looking very uh, uh, interesting, especially with the injuries that have happened to their core. But Therese Maxey being down, James Harden being down, and now Joel Embiid being out for a few games. Um, is this going to be like an injury year for the Sixers, or is this just, just going to be temporary? Um. It's just looking
1: bad overall. I mean, Thaipo, I believe, is like one of only nine players in history to ever feature like a – it was like a 40-50 line where he's like below those across the board. Like I think he's 33% from the line, given he's only like one for three or something like that. Um, But, yeah, just the players you do have on the court just aren't doing much for you, and the players that normally do put up numbers for you um, just can't stay on the court. It's simple as that one of those years where it seems like nothing's working out. Honestly, I'm convinced that Philly sacrificed everything in their sports luck to the um, Eagles and um, the Phillies. They kind of just like, look, we'll succeed in those regards. And then we're just going to let basketball go back to trusting the process, whatever that process may be. <laughs> yeah. I-, I don't know what's going on in Philly then.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> I think you're going to, if your team is kind of led by Joel Embiid, every you're all every season's gonna be an injury season. It feels like every year we have like the same conversation about like him and his ability to stay health, healthy. And it's like if your centerpiece is like not on the court a majority of the seasons, it's just like not a successful formula. Usually, we'll see. we'll see. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up is how even though they had kind of a rough start to the season the Chicago Bulls just own the Celtics pulling off again for the Celtic or they have four losses two of them are the Bulls um just want to point that out but I- I'm not really confident about them moving into the season like to the rest of the season their starting lineup just really isn't very cohesive um Patrick Williams he did have 17 against the Celtics but um I don't think he's the answer at forward for the bulls um but yeah i just wanted to bring that up just real
0: quick to the two celtics fans i have in here. well the nine-year winning streak was snapped by chicago i'm i checked the season series with that matchup and currently chicago leads two to one with oh excuse me excuse me it's it's, it's all good uh it's a two-one lead for chicago with one last matchup later in the season um but hey it was a great winning streak for the celtics and it's very good for them to have um, as they are expected to be with at the very least in the top three of the East. So right now they're number one in the East when Milwaukee trailing them by half a game. So definitely going to be an interesting battle to see who wins the Eastern conference in that, in that aspect. Another thing I do want to talk to you guys about is that there is a certain team in the Western conference that's been lighting the beam with their recent winning streak. And that is the Sacramento Kings who have six straight wins and are in the playoff picture at the fifth spot. Um, what do you guys think of their uh, their performances this past week, with, especially with their winning streak?
1: Um, not just any winning streak, to say the least. Um, this features some pretty good wins. You know, you kind of sent the Cavs on their losing streak, considering how hot they were at the time. Um, you got a home win against the Warriors, who've been red hot as of late, You know, but they're always going to be good, um, so long as Steph Curry's on the court. Um, you know, kind of similar to the whole Lakers situation. Like, yeah, you did get wins against Piston and Spurs, but you got them like pretty convincingly. Um, you know, I don't really know. Well, I think the Grizzlies one will be pretty easy with jaw out pretty much indefinitely definitely with that ankle injury, um, as of late, but, you know, they've been one of the more improved teams, um, coming into this season along with the Pacers and the Trailblazers. You know, I gotta be honest when the Kings gave up Hallie Burton, is that correct? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. When they get burden, I, I was completely lost on that. I was like, why did you not want to build around him? I thought he was a phenomenal player, but I guess it's worked out for both sides. Yeah. Um, so I can't really complain, but you know, still early in the season teams may be playing above performance levels. I don't know. I can't say if they'll put this up all season long. Cause, but then again, I still am on the wave that Larry marketing is somehow turning into, um, European Kobe Bryant for some reason I don't know I don't know why um but they made him into a two guard as like a six ten man and he's hitting fadeaways and running pick and rolls uh as the point I I don't know what they're doing but it's working it's weird
2: yeah as far as the Kings um I don't I don't want to like buy in just yet but they look good um like you said like the six wins and then they kind of got we mentioned this I think a couple pods ago because of you know some Questionable officiating. They may have like kind of got screwed out of a win uh, against Warriors uh, earlier in the season, but I think I think they're really good. The whole West is just kind of like, like the Wild West is would be I guess would be a good way to call it. With between them, like in the Jazz, um, it'll be interesting to see. I don't want to like put too much stock into like especially like very very like young teams like the Kings and the Jazz. Just kind of early in the season. But I think if they can – they should be a team to look out for. I don't think just because they're young and it's so early in the season, we should just kind of, you know, write them, write them off as, you know, like luck or whatever. But I definitely think they, they're able – the way they're built, they're able to make some noise late in the season around the like to play off and things like that, playing yeah. Um, like that.
0: Yeah. With Sacramento, um, they have a 16 winning streak, and every win they get, they're lighting the beam, literally from their arena. So – uh, how many times do you think uh, the Kings will like the beam? Plenty. They, that's one of the
2: cool. I think that's one of the cooler traditions. You know, like after a win or something, like I would like the Chicago Cubs. It's baseball, but like around Chicago, they'll fly like a W flag like around the city after they win. Cool traditions like that. I think are like good for the sport. I think that's like a cool one the Kings do.
1: Just, uh, just know these things can backfire. Um, I know for the red Sox, i think it was two years ago we had that kids eat free after a win and we were historically bad so everyone would just rate them saying like the kids are stopped and like we're, we're letting the kids die out here uh, we don't care about the children but i'm sure they'll have some jokes to make about the beam in the sky for the kings uh, who knows we'll see uh, hopefully um they keep winning because like they said i do think it's a really unique and interesting idea to add um i always like the teams are creative in that regard it always brings new fans into the sport um and it makes makes it more interesting to come to games so get on their part
2: it makes, yeah. makes me wonder what happens to planes that are like flying around sacramento sacramento like on this huge like beam of light is like flying <laughs> just
0: wonder blinded they get blind <laughs> but yeah and moving on to our final topic of the day world cup soccer and especially the united states um the World Cup kicked off this past Sunday. A couple of games have passed, and one of those games involved the United States, who played their first World Cup game in eight years. Uh, their last game was in 2014, the quarter in the round of 16 lost to Belgium, and they finally played their first World Cup game against Wales. Uh, and they had the lead for most of the game. Uh, they took a 1-0 lead off a brilliant goal from Timothy Weah with a great assist from Christian Polisic. And in the second half, they slowed down a little bit, weren't the same as they were in the first half and conceded a late penalty as Wales, as Wales' star player, Gareth Bale, converted the penalty and the U.S. managed to escape with a 1-1 draw. So what do you guys think of how the the U.S. played in their first World Cup game, in their first game back in the World Cup?
1: Yeah it makes me sick to my stomach when you say escape with a draw um, just because if you were to look how that first half played out, you knew that we were the better team. Like we, you know, I still don't think we rolled our best roster out there. Um, You know, I'll I'll try to keep this as concise and try to let you guys get some things. in. so I'll start off with this. Number one, you kind of see the disparity between international level coaching and lower division coaching throughout the group stage. You want to look at quality coaching, go look at the second half of that game versus US and Wales. Wales definitely better game plan heading to the second half. Look at Argentina, Saudi Arabia. Argentina had way better caliber players, still ended up losing to Saudi Arabia because of better coaching. It's painful to watch, you know first of all, our subs where uh where's Reina? Where's Dio Reina? Wow he said he was 100% healthy in the postgame. Why is he not on the field? You know, I get we bring on Aronson to kind of bring in that youth, um, his speed, kind of let him take over. We seemed totally content with not taking any shots. I think we had one shot on target on target the entire game, and that was our one goal um, by way up. I mean, I, it made me sick, honestly. You know, it was very obvious we were just trying to play the ball through ballistic. Pulisic was sending crosses as if he was still playing with Chelsea members and not the MLS team that we had rolled out there.
2: Shout out-,
1: <laughs> shout out Zimmerman. You know, your MLS play style was showing how you give up a PK when Bale has his back turned to you. I have no idea. By the way, shout out our keeper, Matt Turner. Somehow, hey. somehow, hey. if he would have saved that PK, instant legend. Um, I'll Howard. I'll let you guys speak. I'm, I'm so angry at that showing. I, hmm.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. It was kind of like to be like that excited just for it to like, kind of wash away a little bit at the end. Um, It was kind of disappointing. I thought they looked great in the first half, you know, they were aggressive, especially around the penalty box. And they were like trying to make opportunities for themselves. And that kind of just, it. it wasn't like, same play style in the second uh, second half they weren't as aggressive um they weren't like getting the ball around the box as much and um it's it's not going to get any easier on friday against england they had a pretty good showing against Iran. i think they had six goals if i'm not mistaken and they scored that's um not a not a bad performance um i just i just would like to see it, like them just be more aggressive throughout the entire game and just not kind of like
0: away like they did in the second half against um, Wales. Yeah. Um, I would rather see them play exactly how they did in the first half. Aggressive and doing great defensively. Like, keeping the best players on, your opposing, on the opposing team quiet. Like, how they did with Gareth Bale in the first half. If that was how you're supposed to do it. And the second half, that's really all adjustments. You have to do better with your adjustments and substitutions. And that's a coaching standpoint. Like, the players are going to do what they can, but When it comes to adjustments, that's the coaches. And they do have two more games uh, against uh, Friday, Thanksgiving weekend against England, a very big matchup, and Tuesday against Iran. So uh, the best hope for the U.S. is to get a win and hope for the best as they try to get a top two spot in their group. And, man, best luck to them because it's great to see them back there, back in the World Cup. It's good to see them back.
2: One thing I want to add is that, like, American head coaches, like in the NFL and NBA, should take, like, the same approach as Greg Berhalter, I think I said his name right, and just wear khaki shorts or khaki pants and a t-shirt on the sidelines. Enough with, like, the suits and, like, the branded pullovers. T-shirt, khaki shorts on the sidelines. That's
1: Yeah. Um I was just gonna say the way I coped with our draw is I was gonna say, oh, you know, we purposely uh sat rain edge just because we're hiding our best, um, our best starting eleven from England. You know, we can't expose our secrets. Um, because honestly, we could we could have lost to Wales, we could lose to Iran. I I wouldn't mind, but if we lose to England, I will be very upset. This is this is at least get a draw. Um I'm still expecting win i don't care um i know england's a better team on paper but it doesn't matter they never perform in the world cup that's just how it is but the biggest draw uh takeaway i have for this world cup is this is kind of the generation to prove that um i know soccer- yeah soccer can be the gen be the best thing for the generation moving forward this could be it like this is the generation you have to prove yeah for sure
0: with that That'll be it for this episode of UPress Play Sports. Make sure to hit like and subscribe, click the bell to keep up with notifications from us. Also, be sure to go on upressonline.com to keep up with news, sports, and more content alike. To follow us on Twitter, it's for me, at rich26pereira, for Cameron, at PriesterCameron, and for Zach, at ZachWatts1underscore. Thanks for watching, everybody, and have a great day.